1: Happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, happy birthday dear Josh Adam Myers, who is me, happy birthday to me, it's my birthday ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in, I am 39 years old today. I think one of the first times I jerked off, or scrooged really, it wasn't jerking off, it was just the pressure, not actual grip of the penis, was to one of her music, be- what's the one where she's like he, laying he in the got, bed he got that sex with the bullfighter, remember he that, got that video? He
2: got that, she brought out a sex
1: book where it was like, a, I remember that. Oh, the yeah, book Big was, Daddy was like $120, Kane?
2: and like, like Vanilla Ice was in it. With yeah, like, dude.
1: Big Daddy Kane, Vanilla Ice, mm-hmm. Naomi Campbell. Naomi Dude, Campbell trust I know this in, shit, Yeah, so, so it
2: was very hard back in the day to get porn, <laughs> and my brother bought this book, and this book was in our house. And I jerked off to that book very, you, very many times.
1: Your dad, your brother bought the sex book.
2: Yeah, yeah, he still got it, yeah, yeah. The, the pages didn't hold together, well, not because of the camera or anything, but the the, the spine on the book wasn't very durable. Yeah,
1: she didn't really, she, the, the paper was a good quality, the spine. It was like photo was really quality bad. paper. Yeah.
2: And then it was just this fucking, <laughs> this book that was like a legal pad.
1: That song? That's I am the resurrection. What album is it off of? Oh well, it's off of the Stone Roses' 1989 debut record, The Stone Roses, and it's number 498 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. I'm your host, Josh Adam Myers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the only podcast where each week me and my guests go through Rolling Stone magazine's top 500 albums list from Five Honey down to numero uno. And guys, we're down to the final 498 episodes. There's only 497 left after this because our final episode date is May 31st, 2028, where we wrap it up with the number one record, which I'm hoping will either be Paul McCartney as my guest, Oprah, or Boutros Boutros Gali. One of them might be dead. I have no idea by that time. One of them might be dead already uh, by now So to follow this podcast guys Please make sure you pay for your Spotify Your Apple Music Your Amazon Music Whichever way you stream music Please make sure you listen to these records beforehand Just listen to it once Put it on in your car when you're driving to work Put it on while you're out at the gym Listen to these records So you kind of have an idea what's going on Either way I don't think it makes a difference You really don't need uh, to listen to these records Uh, You should, but you don't need to because the discussions that we're having are incredible. And I I love it because people have been reaching out nonstop about how much they enjoy this. So thank you to everybody that has been tuning in uh, for the first two episodes and tuned into this one. Guys, this means the world to me uh, that you're even listening because I would do this shit solo deep. I would do this just for myself. I was actually going to do this solo deep. I was going to just listen to 500 records over 500 days. And then when I started to do that and post about it on social media, it just so happens today's guest reached out to me and said, dude, this is one of my favorite records of all time. And then I was like, there's the podcast. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to sit down with a comic or an actor or whoever, and we are going to break this shit down. So if you haven't told anybody about this podcast, tell your friends, tell your friends to join the movement. Make sure everybody rates, reviews, subscribes, everything to the 500 because I love you guys so much. And you're just making me so happy to know that you're out there listening to it. This week's guest is the man that literally gave me the idea for this podcast. One of the greatest working comics today, Mr. Jim Jeffries. You guys know Jim from his Comedy Central show, The Jim Jeffries Show. You know him from his FX show, Legit. Or maybe you know him from one of his incredibly hilarious hour specials on HBO or Netflix. He's got a new special currently streaming on Netflix called This Is Me Now. Make sure you guys go and check it out. Jim is one of my favorite comics. He's a close friend of mine. October 2014 is when I met him. I remember that because we have a mutual friend, Forrest Shaw. And Forrest is a great comic, very good friend of mine. And uh, I needed a headliner for the goddamn comedy jam. It was a good lineup, but we had done like two months of straight burr. And then we did Adam Devine. And then I was like, God, I need a big name. Who can I ask? And Forrest was like, you know who would be really good for the jam? would be Jim. Jim used to sing opera in uh, when he was a kid, in the teenage years. And I was like, oh, please, God, make this happen. And then, dude, not only did Forrest make it happen, but Jim crushed. Jim did, uh, for I think the first time he did the jam, Jim did Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, into with a little help from my friends. Uh, and his story, the song was great. Annihilated the song. But his fucking story was the best Because he put on this like $6,000 jacket That he bought from John Varvatos And the only reason he bought it Was he was at this special event At the John Varvatos store On Melrose and San Vicente Or Robertson And as he's trying the jacket on And like I think I think he's trying the jacket on And he's looking at it Almost in, like, in a ridiculous way Like look at this fucking jacket That's a horrible accent I'm just gonna talk like a normal human being Jim was like ugh, look at this jacket and show it to his friend and be like, how ridiculous it is. And at that exact moment, Ringo Starr walks by and goes, you look good in that jacket? And then Jim thought to himself, well, now I have to buy it because if a Beatle tells you you look good in something, you fucking buy it. British people do music better. They do. It's proven. We'll see it throughout the list. I bet you if we go through this list and we found out how many people are American, how many people are British, I would believe that 60% are going to be British. I have no idea if this math is right, but i got to believe that because they just constantly make great music. I love Jim Jeffries, and I love this episode, man. He is a real fan of the Stone Roses. So make sure you guys go on Netflix right now and check out Jim's new one-hour special. It's hysterical. Also, don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast because at the end of each podcast of the 500, we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by the band and album that we just talked about. So stay tuned to the end of the episode, guys, where we will be playing that new music for you. And like I said earlier... Great review and most importantly Subscribe to the 500 Please tell two friends I'm listening to a great podcast It's about the 500 greatest albums of all time You should join up great comics each week Breaking down these records Getting questions asked around the meanings of the songs So here we go With number 498 Out of 500 With the Stone Roses Stone Roses Oh, Jim Jefferies. Oh, Jim Jefferies. I am so fucking happy to finally sit down with you for this because, to be honest, Jim, you're the reason that I'm doing this and I turned this into a podcast. Why? Because when I was going to just do the do it on my own and do a 500 records over 500 days right when i posted about the stone roses you were you sent me that dm that was like this is one of my favorite records of all time it'd and be, then, it'd be my top five albums of all time easy i think this works perfectly with you being a fan because you know when we were hanging out the other day you told me some stories so before we get into all of that, mm-hmm. what year were you born? You were born in 1977. seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. What did you grow up listening to?
2: I grew up listening to like Australian pub rock, mostly. Was that Silverchair? Well, no, Silverchair <laughs> was wild. I remember, I remember seeing Silverchair in a shopping mall with their parents. Really? They were like, 14 or something yeah, I that album came out. Like Daniel they, was
1: adorable, I'm not going to lie. They were out
2: like, shopping with their mum and dad. Like, I remember they couldn't tour until they finished high school. Uh-huh. But Frog Stomp was such a good album. So good. And then, yeah, you know, I, I think he got arthritis afterwards and started dating Nellie and Bruglia. Wait, is arthritis a side project he was in? Or, or is yeah. it like, I, yeah. I, I think it might take a lot to make Nellie and Bruglia calm and <laughs> eventually your fingers go. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. But like, like, I'm uh,
1: already torn. Please lay <laughs> off of me. I'm already You've broken my fingers.
2: Right. She nicked that song. She did. Did she really? Yeah, it's a, it's a song from like so, I, I'm gonna say like a Scandinavian band or some shit, but it's like, it's not even. It's not like she nicked the riff. She nicked the whole thing.
1: But yeah, but she was adorable.
2: She I, I saw her. I saw her in uh, Soho House in uh, London about sort of six or seven years, making out with Harry Styles. I'm like, that girl still got it. He, he was about four. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like forty something, but she's she's got it, man. Do you remember Frente? Accidentally Kelly Street, where <laughs> friends and strangers sometimes meet. <laughs> I love that. I have a tape. theory. On, I love that song. That's a happy song. I have a theory that Accidentally Kelly Street is actually a song about rehab. Really? Listen to the lyrics again. Here's a chair, and here's a table, here's a mirror. The, the music's playing in a black and white movie, the TV's there, that's what it's for. Um, and something about, like, um, perhaps this sense of something will this be uh, now we've all learned to share. Listen to the lyrics. If you break the lyrics down, it sounds like someone who's just come out of therapy, and then they're sitting in a fucking home. I think that's every song. Every you know, song. All has the, the a dishes song. are done by sunset, and da 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 I mean,
1: if you go, you could do any Beatles Accidentally song.
2: Accidentally, Kelly Street, where friends and strangers sometimes mean Accidentally, Kelly Street. I never thought my life would be so sweet. Peter,
1: <s permitted> Peter, play a little bit of that right now. Accidental. That's about rehab, everybody. What were this little? I believe snippet? it's about
2: rehab. But read the lyrics afterwards. Read okay. the lyrics, and if you if you read it like a poem, you go. That's a person
1: in rehab. That's every song. No, dude. this I'm one's like you.
2: crazy like that.
1: Okay, so you so you grew up. So you grew up. listening, you said Australian pub pop? rock. Pub rock.
2: Pub rock. So we, you know, it sort of goes back to like in excess was like a pub band, and then Men at work, and then you know, obviously ACDC, but a bit more like uh, Midnight Oil. And then
1: UMI was a big band for me. A band, na- everyone that a you've named the Whitlams. Everyone that you've named, I've heard of, and I didn't realize that was like pub rock. I just would have thought that would have been just pop. Well, it's like it's like you couldn't just
2: become like a, a person on the radio show. There wasn't the, uh, the population. You had to tour. You had to do live gigs, and so everyone just did the pub scene. The Highway to Hell pub, yeah. is in uh, the end of the Canning. Freeway or Canning Highway. Canning it's a, Highway. It's a pub. Well, there's a pub at the end. I can't remember the name of the pub, but maybe the Raffles or the Rafferty or something like that. Okay. But there's a pub that's in Perth, which was notorious for being like that Blues Brothers thing where bottles were thrown. Yeah. People, at yeah. And that was the end of the Canning Highway, and the Canning Highway is the highway to hell, where they wrote the song "Going There" because they were going to the hellish
1: gig. Oh, I thought that this is what they did. Was they just named pubs after famous songs? So. No, 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 no. no. This, this long <laughs> so before. this is the uh, "Can't Get You Out of My Head." Manic Manny Petty Spa. <laughs> it's Kylie came mean, okay, in here once. No, there, was, there, was a, there
2: was a band called The Whitlams that I enjoyed a lot, and there was there was You and My, which was like uh, I was a big fan of You and My. Yeah. Um, Powderfinger. I don't know them. Our powder thing is good, man. I'm still.
1: Wait, I just want to ask because I know you mentioned it. powder ask-
2: Crowded House. I don't give a fuck what anyone I says. I love Crowded House. I don't dream it's
1: over. Split Split Ends. Don't know that one. Split Ends is Crowded
2: House before Crowded House. Okay, well I know. So don't it don't dream Finn's, it's over. It was Neil Finn and Tim Finn's band. And then Tim Finn left, and then Neil Finn made Crowded House, but still the same members. The Fins, yeah. And doing the, the Australians Fins the try big to break steal up. it. It's really mm-hmm. a New Zealand band, but like, you know So New Zealanders wrote the songs and all that stuff. But we had an Australian drummer, I think, so that makes it an Australian band. Yeah. So you know. I, I, just, but I saw the last ever Crowded House concert okay. they did in front of the Sydney Opera House. It was like 80,000 80, people showed up. And um, they thought like 40,000 were going to show up as a free gig. And the place went fucking mad. And UMI was opening, opening from Powderfinger. was the band before that. And um, I think they uh, that was 20-something years ago. And they just redid that concert in front of the steps. But their drummer committed suicide, um, Paul Hester, who was very heavily into... Uh, the comedy community in Australia, and he fucking hung himself from a tree in a park in Melbourne. Oh, wow. told his kids, he's like, I'm going for a walk. And he was a very funny guy in that whole depression and comedy thing. But he, he had, like, comedy shows and everything. It was very sad.
1: Well, well, um, I don't know how we're going to be able to continue the podcast on this. So. <laughs> so, God, <laughs> right, God so, bless Paul so, Hester, man. Paul <laughs> Hester. you listening. Hashtag Paul Hester. All right, so let me ask you this. So what were the... The big obsession bands, like, you know, like, if, if I had my my Iron Maiden phase, my Guns N' Roses phase, like... Well, I, your... I had
2: a Guns N' Roses phase. Okay. Um, I had a Cure phase. Um, I've had a Beatles phase my whole life. Everybody does. I think that's everybody. And my parents weren't Beatles fans. It was just something that I sort of discovered. My brothers didn't listen to them or anything like that. My brother's eight years older than me. And so what, it was 1986 or 7, uh-huh. the, the CD player really hit in Australia. And then uh, Dire Straits, Men in Arms, Brothers in Arms came out, and it just—it was sounded so good on a digital recording. Oh, I that. Yeah. My... <laughs> and so he would just play that intro all the time. And, then, <laughs> and so, so it was just like. Hear that, sh- Peter. He would listen to cheesy shit like that, and the Joshua Tree album. That's not cheesy. No, but it was. It was of its time. This whole like there was like sort of douchey fratty. My brother was a douchey fratty guy. Okay, and he listened to those two albums, Joshua Tree and Brothers in Arms, over it. and so I had a healthy disdain for both those bands, and I, I now would like you two in a, in a way, but it took me. Twenty years before I could listen to them in any way I, I
1: feel like I feel like they're older, you two, like the Joshua tree and the my stuff middle brother it, listened to fucking Madonna he was I l- mad I like for Madonna, Madonna
2: though I like Madonna he was mad for Madonna heterosexual, nothing. mad for Madonna,
1: odd. I mean, I think one of the first times I jerked off or scrooged, really, it wasn't jerking off. It was just the pressure, not actual grip of the penis, was to one of her music videos. What's the one where she's like he, laying he in the got, bed with the book? bullfighter? Remember he that, got that video? He
2: got that, she brought out a sex book where it was like- a, I remember that. Oh, the yeah, Big was Daddy was like $120 Kane? and like, like Vanilla Ice was in it. With yeah, like, dude.
1: Big Daddy K, Vanilla uh, Ice, Naomi Campbell. Naomi dude Campbell. Trust I know this in, shit, yeah, dude. So, so it was very hard back
2: in the day to get porn. <laughs> and my brother bought this book and this book was in our house. And I jerked off to that book very, you, very many times.
1: Your dad, your brother bought the sex book.
2: Yeah, yeah, he still got it. Yeah, yeah. The, the pages didn't hold together well, not because of the camera or anything, but the, the the spine on the book wasn't very durable. Yeah,
1: she didn't really. She, the, the paper was a good quality. The spine it was like photo quality bad. paper. Yeah.
2: And then it was just this this fucking <laughs> this 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 book that was like a legal pad <laughs> at, the, at the end with a metal cover. Fuck that. And that it hurts. was just called sex.
1: Cindy Loppers was made perfectly. It still holds up. Cindy Lauper's sex book. No, I wonder if
2: there's a, there's a good copy of the Madonna sex book that's in mint condition because I feel like they're all matted.
1: Tweet at us or or tag us if anybody has one and is willing to uh, donate it to the five hundred. <laughs> he still has it. It's just not in good condition. Yeah, but we don't want one that's been on. No, I want, want a not. freshie.
2: No, so- no, but one that Jim Jeffries wanked <laughs> to. That's got to. There's got to be some market for that.
1: Like I'm not that arrogant, but I feel like there's someone, one of my fans. <laughs>
0: I love that.
1: All right, so, so how do you feel like your music uh, appreciation and what you listen to has grown from that time growing up until well? No, like I feel, now? I feel,
2: I feel like it grew for many, many years, and then it, it stunted in sort of the late nineties. it Look, everything, everything, everything stops when you have kids as well. When, sure. As soon as you have a child, whatever you were into, fashion or clothing or whatever. Everything stops and you just go. You're just boom. stuck in that. And so I still have, oh, like, you know, I'm an Oasis fan. I still have a big hangover from them, and I still buy. I still think greatness is up, is upon them. One of them's going to do something phenomenal, <laughs> and I still buy the solo albums from both artists, which is weird because I love the Beatles so much, but Paul McCartney can bring out every fucking album in the world. I'm still not going to buy it.
1: Yeah, I
2: and, and he's yeah. And there's I, the I, argument that he's got to write something good on there. It's got to be something amazing. The guy's got yeah. the skills, but you just go. Eh. And in the end, and that's then it. You,
1: yeah, it's, I feel like everything that Paul has released recently is just too like woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a dupe scoop, well, the and then I give part, you a is, Sunday. The problem is all he obviously falls
2: in love far too easily, too easily, too easily. Every song is like, "This is the one. This is the person <laughs> I've been waiting for. I'm so happy that you've come into my life." Next track and, uh, is like,
1: "Whoops, I fucked up. I yeah. really meant oh, you. I've, I've lost you a lot of
2: money, <laughs> but this new bird's the one." <laughs> She's right? and, so like, and she when, doesn't
1: when, have a leg. When he was with
2: Heather Mills, and he,
0: and he is that, that the legless,
2: he the legless one, and he was like, <laughs> yeah, he goes, "I'm pretty sure this has never happened to me before. I found you, and now I'm sure." That was like last time. Was Aww. like it was chaos and something in the backyard. It was like, <laughs> and then I was thinking, if you were Paul McGann and his kids, you go, well, "What about Mum? You're always going on about Mum." Yeah, Linda was great. You're always going on, "You had Mum in the fucking band." <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Mum and the band, you were releasing fucking frozen meals with her. And now all of a sudden
1: fucking you know, one day. Alright, so so you say 'cause you that, so it sounds like you're pretty much like me, is that like I'm stuck within the same hundred records. Yeah, that we I went and saw the Killers with. together. The killers Which was great. The Killers is one of the last bands that
2: I really, really got into, You know, But but even then it's like no, I'd still I'd still buy
1: any Killer's album that comes out. Well, I've seen like if we're just going by what you sang at the jam at the goddamn comedy jam, it's been uh, two Beatles songs. You've done a Killer song. What else have I missed? I did an you Amy Winehouse song. You did do Amy Winehouse, yeah, but yeah. but I did the Zutons version, version, which yeah. is far better, which is which
2: is from me living in Britain in that era, and it's all about when are you taking drugs, when are you making out with girls, it, everything's about. Music's a, a memory that you have from, I remember when I fucked this person, or I remember when I went sure. on a date with this person. And when you're older and you got kids, you don't want to... Music's uh, something that you use as a memory of when you were having fun in your life. Yes. When you stop having fun, you don't want to go, oh, that's when I was miserable. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, that's when I had my hemorrhoid surgery. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when that song came out. It's, <laughs> music's from a, from a carefree time in your life.
0: Sick of being upsold at gyms?
1: You talk about silver chair. I remember smoking pot by the rope swing in Germantown, Maryland. Yeah, I mean, but then when I started getting into, like, the radio head, that's when, like, the seriousness of life kind of started coming on to me. So tell me about your first experience because that brings us to – what our album is, and our album is number four ninety eight out of five hundred. Okay, it is the Stone Roses. It was 90- ranked four ninety eight. Ranked four ninety eight from who? From the Rolling Stone magazine, oh, but Rolling not State. from them. No, I never, get,
2: I never get into the top one hundred comedians. No, no, which is bullshit. How many
1: comedians do you need? Don't worry about why it's Rolling Stone. Could be NME. All I don't right. give a fuck. I like the NME. Because uh, of course you do. Because they're going to bring we're bringing them up a lot later. So this is number four ninety eight out of five hundred. I once
2: presented an award show for the NME, and they never paid me. And I still like them. Well, I get it. They, I mean, they said they were going to give me a nice gift. Still waiting, enemy. <laughs> I did that for fucking free, you cunts I want everybody to It's where Elton John and Bernie Tolpin met each other In the fucking classified section in the back Really? Everyone thinks there's some romantic fucking story about those two Like they were like, I like music, you like music too I like to write <laughs> lyrics, I like to write songs Maybe we should get together Right? No, that never happened He just was like, Elton John just advertised in the back of the enemy And just went, I need a lyricist And then he was like, oh, and, you know, probably Tim Rice wrote to him I don't know who the fuck else wrote sure. to him But that's how that magical relationship <laughs> happened Now they're making a movie
1: about that. All right, here we go. So it's the 1998 debut album... From the Stone Roses, called The Stone Roses, all tricks, tracks written by Ian Brown and John Squire, with Ian on vocals, John on guitars, mm-hmm. Manny on bass, Rene on drums. Renny and the and album drums. was produced by John Leckie, and John Leckie went on to produce Muse, Origin of Symmetry, and Radiohead, The Bends, two of my favorite records. So tell me about the first time you heard this, how you got into The Stone Roses, well, because I, I got what into brought it. you to, I was on a, to this? I was, on a, I was on a date with a gun. Where are you? This is in England, or? In Australia, I may this have Australia. been like
2: eighteen. This is the first time I ever heard about the band. And and I, I may have been like eighteen or something like that. And she was heavily into music. She was probably seventeen or eighteen. Well, you know, whatever. We were similar age, sure. similar age. Sure. And um we went to a bar and she had a group of friends that we met up with and they had all gone and seen the Stone Roses. And at that stage I had a lot of hair and I had a sort of a mop top hairdo. And one of the girls went, I look like Ian Brown now. I obviously don't look like Ian Brown at all. Maybe more when I was 18. And so one of her friends was fucking besotted with me because she'd just come from the concert. She was probably on drugs. And so I was like, wow, that's all right. I look like
1: some rock star. What are the drugs that the people are doing back then? Is it like. In Australia. Speed, speed
2: probably. Speed? Okay. So uh, ecstasy as well. Okay. Chemical stuff. We can't ship things in. It has to be done in the lab. I get because it. Because back then, you, 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 we're an island. It's just some... Everything <laughs> comes in a fucking, <laughs> in a condom up someone's arsehole. Right,
1: I, no, got, <laughs> I got 50 more pounds of that crystal.
2: It's the worst. Crystal yeah. myth. So uh, so I remember I went and had a look at the album in a record store afterwards. And then I thought, oh, I'll listen to it. And then I, I thought, ah, oh, it's all right. And then I moved to Britain a few years later to uh, try to pursue comedy. That album was played at every party that I went to. Every single time I went to a party. And then years later, I went to Manchester for a few years. And then obviously, by that stage, I was an Oasis fan. And then every interview I saw Liam or Noel do, they always referred back to the sure. Stone Roses. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. So I got into it quite late, that album.
1: So let me ask you a question because you mentioned that's being but they were the... already
2: broken up by the time I was a fan. So you're
1: saying you're getting into them around 1990, yeah, 2000, Two, really? Oh 2000, wow! 2000, oh, yeah. so late. So 11 yeah, years yeah, yeah, after the album, but came I out. heard about it years earlier. And that's what's funny with me is I'm basically the same thing. Whereas like I had my fascination in '99 into the 2000s with like Brit Rock, where hmm. I started getting really into Radiohead and Travis and Gomez and the Verve.
2: And then... well, I've, I've seen Ian Brown in concert several times, and then it was basically when you saw Ian Brown in concert. You're basically watching the Stone Roses because he'd do all the songs. It wasn't like there was any harmonies that needed to be fucking matched up or anything like that.
1: So when you're first hearing this, like, what is sticking out? I remember we have the track list, but do you remember any of the particular songs that... It was, it was Waterfall
2: was the first song that I heard. And that was like, uh, I saw an interview at Ringo Starr said it was the best album of like the last 20 years or something. I and then my mind. and then Ringo Starr was like he was like Waterfall is a good song you should listen to Waterfall <laughs> and so that was <laughs> that was where it all started it was Ringo Starr said something and I thought oh, I right, I'll, I'll give this this band another listen and then it was just very good drug music, you know. At the, at the height, it,
1: yeah, it is. It's my we, me and my, my, my one of my producers, David, think it's perfect driving, perfect driving. High, if you, I'm yeah. always high. So if being high and, and driving. There, there
2: was a, there was the movie Twenty Four Hour Party People, where I they sort of reference it very slightly, about... Everything that happened at the Hacienda in Manchester. And the Hacienda was like the, the pill-popping nightclub that, that everyone went to, but they didn't make any money because no one was buying drinks. And then now the Hacienda Apartments in um, Manchester. Uh-huh. People take photos just out the front. just to, you know. So it was just a warehouse district in Manchester. Uh, and incidentally, the Manchester Comedy Store is probably 200 metres from the Hacienda, okay. from where the Hacienda was. Mm-hmm. And so, so being there you'd meet like Northern Comics and all the they'll be like, Oh this is where the the hacienda was, man, I fucking pill, fucking off my head, stone roses, get fucking mashed up, you know. I love that accent. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: That's the Manchester accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: that's perfect. And so so uh well, <laughs> I it's like fucking a, It's like a ski that you fucking want. You're Yeah, you know, the but top then you then you've got like Liverpool's very close and
1: more <sighs> in it. Right. More wait, it's got more phlegm?
2: Fucking hell, oh you know, go to, go over to Manchester, you know. Go
1: fucking
2: watch the Stone Roses. They had this romance about the late nineties and the Stone Roses mm-hmm. and the well the early nineties and the Stone Roses and getting fucked up and going and so that was the same if you watch like that supersonic documentary I did, with, yeah. with the Oasis where they were performing under the like they had those little rooms. That was all that, where they where Oasis were just formed and they used to just sure, play yeah, by yeah. themselves. Mm-hmm. And that was all just after the Stone Roses. Now, you know the Stone Roses got back together. Because, they did in 2013. And, yeah, and they got back together, and they never sold a stadium before. And then all of a sudden, they were a stadium act. Because guys like me had become fans of them since the breakup. Um, and they got back together, I think it was because Ian Browns, it was always Browns and Squire wouldn't, couldn't get along. It's always, they, the, it's always the two their, best. Their it's solid. always the
1: two most important people in every band that, that don't
2: get along. And it was one of their mums died. It was at a funeral, and that's how everything gets together, because you can have all the problems in the world with a person, but if you were kids with someone, and their mum dies,
1: you still go to the funeral. Because they actually met in, uh, it was either middle or, or well, grade school, and one of them stopped the other one or helped somebody out, beat. Somebody was getting beat up and then they beat together beat somebody else up and they became friends, that's what I read. Yeah, and so what, I see Squires that. was a very unique guitarist. A very like you one of
2: those guys where you can you knew it was him playing. Which is quite
1: yeah. Well, it's you know, listening to the record, it's like from not knowing anything about him. Like the solos are either these really chunky guitar strokes, which we're going to talk about when we get or to the they're track little, list. Little plucky or, things, or they're, they're, little they're little plucky, but it's but, but it's not like, like
2: a, acoustic plucky, but little note. Boom, boom, boom. Which song is that? Boom, <laughs> <song? laughs> <laughs> 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 waterfall.
1: Peter, play a little bit of the beginning. So when you first hearing this, like, why is it sticking out to you? Like, what is it that's drawing you to this record? What is it that drew you? Because, like, I talked to as well, I, I don't
2: know. It's the same thing. It's, pro- it's probably drugs and alcohol, and it's probably I, I made out on a beanbag with some girl and i had a good night and then that sticks with you it's everything everything in life is association sure everything's like i had a good day that day and that was what was playing and now i'm happy and i had a bad day that day and you know it's like i hate the kings of leon because i used to have this this girlfriend that i dated and every time we got into a fight and she got all we all got belligerent and angry with each other she'd be like fuck she, you yeah fuck you yeah. oh,
0: all these sexes yeah
2: bad. Exactly, she'd go. She'd go into the other room and she'd play (laughs) Kings of Leon. And so that was.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. So that was the soundtrack to fights.
1: I just what a horrible one. Just hell hell. There was some song that went. I don't know what that song was, but (laughs) you just start saying to her like, "Where do you want to go to eat tonight?" Hell, you got to use somebody. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Jim. So All I've right, always Jesus. hated Kings
2: of Leon for that reason. Fuck but that. I, I assume the Stone Roses was something at a happy period in my life.
1: I like that. And, and what's funny is when I was talking to our friend Forrest Shaw about this, and he says that you guys get into disc- discussions about this record of why yeah. it's one of the greatest ones ever. Would well, you- it's, it's like they bring they, – Okay, so you can have like the
2: greatest hits of the Stone Roses now. There's only two albums. And do you, speaking of that, I don't want to. I don't want to
1: get to that later. But do you like Second Coming as much I as you just, like the first listen, one? You
2: only need the greatest hits because it's got like sixteen tracks on it. You're cutting out all this shit. So the only thing that wasn't on the first album that was a single that was released that you know that just didn't make it onto it was Sally Cinnamon. Yes, which is, was their first was one of the first songs. That right, they wrote. Which, which should have been on the first album. Mm-hmm and cut some of the fat off and put that in there. But, like, all in all, there's very few albums where there's, like, seven or eight tracks where you go
1: killer, 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 killer. There's eight and singles that were released from this. Whenever
0: I
2: listen to this album, I never... I, I always do it on LP, so I never jump forward or back in any sure. tracks.
1: No, I get it. So, all right, so let's say this. So what would be your favorite song on this record? What's the one that you feel you're the most connected
2: to? Um, I want to be adored, or, or she bangs the drums, or I am the resurrection. Like, it, it's sort of you know you know where like i am the resurrection i don't think there's been a like um the bit at the end is a bit wank where they just have a fucking jam session at the don't like the that song. part either yeah. yeah 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 but i like the fact that i don't know of another song that takes maybe three minutes before you hit the chorus so you're, if you, yes if, you're if, right about you hear that it for the first time no you're right you're like i guess this is the song here i, I want guess to- this is the song but before they kick into the real fucking uh fist pumping bit Yes. And and before the fist pumping bit you're already like, this is a good song.
1: Well mm. if you go it it pounds like if forty for almost like the first beginning is just play it, it <laughs> for me, play lit. the beginning, Peter. Boom 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 This is a very, I don't know if you know this, if you really read these lyrics, this is a very anti religious. Very anti
2: religious, but it's also open to interpretation, like when you're angry or someone pisses you off in your life. You know, don't waste your words. They don't mean anything from you. I don't care where you've been or what you plan to do. Look at you. You yeah. know this shit, dude. Yeah, You've so. d- Someone's
1: been doing the research no, 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 on no, no. this. I just know this album. I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into... All right, well, Let's do this before I get back because I want to get into the track list where we break down the the songs and ask you some questions. What is the song, if you wanted to make this a perfect album, going by that release, the one that we're saying that that starts with I Want to Be Adored and yes. ends with Fool's Gold. We're doing the U.S. release of 1999. What song would you leave so off Fools, this record? Fool's
2: Gold was never on the, on the U.K. release.
1: It wasn't on the UK, but it's on the B sides, but on the, we're going by the USA one. Okay, so which okay. so what song could we would we leave off that record to make it a perfect album? Which one do you think is the worst out of it? Um, I already know mine.
2: Bye bye, Badman.
1: Oh, really?
2: Yeah, or don't
1: stop. Don't stop is, is garbage too.
2: Yeah, don't stop. I'd, I'd say you know
1: words. what, I'm gonna tell you
2: for you because Elephant Stone Elephant Stone's one of those ones that it's like it's all it's all right but it's overplayed or people think oh, it's a better song than it is. Well I would leave off Fool's Gold because you I know, think see, Fool's, Fool's Gold-, Gold is the one when you're chatting to some mink and Fuck. it's like
1: they're like fucking
2: fool's gold man. no like-
1: it sounds like stereo mcs i want to get myself connected right in there's very
2: little to no synthesizer used on the album and it feels like it's almost like a dance track
1: i just didn't Doom, like boom, it i felt like boom, i felt like boom, after i am the boom, resurrection yes stop No, it's but after I am the resurrection, you gotta stop that record. It ended perfectly with I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection fucking pounds,
2: man. Yeah, but that's the problem is that the fool's gold was such a big song in Britain after that album came How? out. It was probably just a single or something. But there's like there's but think about this album as well for whatever four ninety eight or whatever the fuck it is on your, on your on your four ninety eight.
1: Respect the list, Jim.
2: There's no there's no uh, there's no video clips. They made music videos. No, no music Yes, videos. they did. No, no, no. If no, you no. go on. They're all shitty things. They're all appropriated stuff. Where Ian Brown's just wearing a fucking T-shirt with dollar
1: notes around his fucking neck. He's such a badass. All right, let's get into the track list, Nick. All right, so we open up the album with I Want to Be Adored. It's a great way to comment. It's a slow build into the song. Peter, do me a favor. Play uh, minute three, second 36 for the breakdown of I Want to Be Adored. This is my favorite part. It's the part where it goes, I want to, I want to, I want to be. I wanna be It's fucking dope, dude. It builds. It's sick. The song is about, I found this out, it's a meal coupe to fans of the band who criticized the band for signing to a major label with Ian Brown effectively claiming that the group did so in order to reach a wider audience via the resources of that new label. We were talking about the lyrics earlier. I don't have to sell my soul; it's already in me. I don't I have to sell don't my, want soul.
0: To sell sell
2: my
1: soul. soul. It's already in
2: me. When you come and see me at a theatre, I used to have that track in my sort of warm up music just because i like the song and then i thought maybe it's sending a message that i want the audience to adore me or something so i got rid of it
1: which leads to my question how do you feel about the idea of selling out and have you felt at any point in your career i try to
2: sell out everywhere i go (laughs) it's the whole idea of booking a theater sure because you want to reach reach a wider audience
1: back in a comedy (laughs) so what so what like so in that idea of like when people shit on people that sell out it's like that whole clip from that metallica Uh, documentary
2: I, i get told all the time that i used to be a better comic i used to be maybe different when i was younger but i was different in Every way when I was younger, and and you know, am I better now, or worse now? I, it's open to interpretation. I, I get different people coming to see me, or what have you. Um, this idea of selling out there's nothing more pretentious than a person who's like, This band was good before. I hate blah, blah, that, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. Well, I'm I,
1: there's a couple bands that I'm like that with, but I but at the same time, there's
2: a few bands, but it's like you have to change direction so heavily. That you know, it's like it's like okay. So UB40 used to be like this political band from Britain who sang about politics. The f- the form UB40 was the unemployment uh, form in Britain. And mm-hmm. That's why they were named that. And then they do like an Elvis cover and a fucking. Uh, cover of red red wine by neil diamond and that's how they became brett kavanaugh's favorite band (laughs) (laughs) and 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 then they (laughs) were just like fuck it we'll just fucking make some money so that that's that's the example of a band that really did sell out
1: but what i'm saying is is like the idea are there people that you have like even comics or 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 politicians whatever that the idea of i don't
2: think comics ever really sell out i think you're, you're either what you were when you started or not you know it's not like you can you can write a routine and go this will be a catchy one that everyone will enjoy I'm always surprised personally by stand-up routines that I do on my specials. I always go, that one's the good one, that one's the good one, that one's the good one, and then the bit that goes viral or the bit that everyone remembers is never the one that I pick. When I did the gun control thing, I never had an image that that would be the one that everyone would latch onto. Really? No, I never never remember thinking, I'm doing something here, this is the bit. And now, you know, I'm doing political fucking comedy shows and I <laughs> never talked about politics it. before. This is
1: the one. Yeah, We're yeah. talking 60 million views. Yeah, Fuck I yeah, know, I dude.
2: Never, I never saw that. I always thought my best routine was the one about the muscular dystrophy brothel and all that stuff. <laughs> I still do.
0: Fuck
1: yeah, dude. All right, let's move on. So see? under Shebangs She
2: Bangs the Drums. Now, She Bangs the Drums, I was delighted sure. to see about 10 years ago. Play the intro, the, when, Peter. Well, I was about 10 years ago when I bought Guitar Hero and mm-hmm. it had this song on it. And before that moment, I thought that no one in America knew this band existed. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. They have a Stone Roses song
1: on Guitar Hero. So one of those things where I, I it's like this this record and this song, it's I, when you're talking about what we're going to bring up later is the Manchester scene in, mm-hmm. in England where they're talking about how this band came from the rave and electronic dance scene, and it's kind of like this, their interpretation of mixing all that well, stuff no, into, it's, it's, into it's rock. It's
2: more than that. This was this was the band that brought back guitar music, because before this band, it was just people taking pills and listening to DJs. So what are you talking about, like New Order?
1: Is New Order before that? Well, no. What about uh, bands like, uh, what's that fucking band? Joy Division, right? That's right around the well, same it's time. It's the same sort of The but Smiths? There, there's an
2: era. No, but that wasn't, no, because... That The Smith didn't mesh that with that. Mm-hmm. This is the one that brought all the kids out that were listening to the techno in back to guitar bands. And then when Oasis came in, it was just guitar bands again. We're back to rock right, right away. Mm-hmm. That, you, you don't understand like how pivotal a moment that was because everyone was... I remember just being in the 90s and just getting into cars and people putting techno on their fucking stereo. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And we didn't have any bands that, that were coming out. And so... So, so the stone roses were a, a nice
1: little bridge between the two. Do you think? So then, if you go through the lyrics, because of what you're saying, it actually makes sense. Well, None of the lyrics. Because if we go, what, no, 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 but no, this actually means something. So my favorite lyric is play the thirty pre thirty seconds into the song, Peter. That's a very bold what, statement. What Kiss my ass. You had your time. My time is now. Get the fuck out of here. Do you? So do you think that was their statement I, to those I, techno I think people? I there
2: was, but I think we could overread these things. I think people often read too much into art
1: The number you have reached is one hundred point seven WMMs. It wasn't just a radio station; it was a lifestyle. Cleveland
0: is a rock and roll
1: city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzard WMMs Cleveland: The Rise and Fall of One of the Most Iconic Radio Stations in America. Profiles: The Wrath of the Buzzard. P R O H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. No, I understand. But all right, so then let me ask you this though. Do you feel like that statement rings true? Is there a changing of the guards in the city? There was
2: definitely a changing of the guards, yeah, but but I don't I don't know if they were
1: as um aware of it as as we are now in hindsight. This is a song that I used to dance to at this like underground music party in Baltimore called Taxlow, and it's literally, ladies and gentlemen, about a guy that just wants to fuck... A female drummer. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Then coming to your favorite song, Jiminy. <laughs> uh Waterfall, Peter, play three minutes and thirty seconds into the song for that guitar breakdown. <laughs> So, so basically this song uh, is about leaving home and becoming an adult outside of your parents' control, realizing that you can conquer the world. Here's some sample lyrics. Now you're at the wheel. Tell me how you. Tell me how. How does it feel? So good to have equalized to lift up the lids of your eyes. So I feel it's like finally outside of the world. You know that you are now being awakened. So be the lift water. The
0: lift of of your eyes. You know, I think he
1: was, he was never a
2: great, great singer, but
1: no, but but his lyrics are good because what he's basically saying there is just go with the flow, be the water <coughs> it's, I heard it's that he de-
2: was just like Ian Brown was just like a fucking just like a
1: supremely cool guy dude there's something that i remember i heard by ian brown a long time ago i can't remember what it was and i can't find it on spotify but i think it was on one of the first records he did solo you know this song fear he does right every case so he has this song called
2: fear okay for everything a reason forgive everything and remember final everything spells out is an acronym for fear Right All, all the oh, lyrics That he does all Okay I see what he's doing Yeah I mean and, But there's a lot of Like fucking Drug out British people Who think it's A spiritual journey When they listen to that song For each of all, For
0: every man of Get everything remember For everything reason Fuck every Fuck Asshole really and really
1: <laughs> Fun erections Ass rectum And then you go into Don't Stop After Waterfall Which I think is terrible It's just backwards Now what we're doing is And what I think is actually This is the tale of two records I actually feel that the record gets better In the second half In the oh. later half of it I do like, we. I want to be adored. But then we get into Bye Bye Badman, which is funny because these are the heaviest lyrics on top of such an upbeat song. Bye Bye Badman centers upon the riots in Paris in May 1968, and the lemon slice on the album cover is inspired by these riots, which focuses upon the philosophy of situationalism, which is what we're about to talk about. (laughs) Additionally, the protests attempted to suppress the alleged overbearing establishment of the period. During these riots, lemons were used to counteract the tear gas used by riot police and Brown and Squire noted this and wrote a song in recognition of the bravery togetherness of the protesters in the face of violence now you can hear you know that Squire in the lyrics painted all the albums say what it's his artwork Squire's artwork
2: on the covers yeah but it's
1: basically a Jackson Pollock it's Jackson Pollock rip off yeah it. It for sure now play Bye Bye Badman we're just a little bit Peter
0: That's no
1: Here are some of the lyrics. Soak me to the skin. You would drown me in your sea. Submission ends and I begin. Choke me, smoke the air in the citrus sucking skin. I don't care. You're not all there. Here he comes. Got no questions. Got no love. I'm throwing stones at you. I want you black and blue. I'm gonna make you bleed. Gonna bring you down to your knees. I mean, that is the most upbeat way to throw stones at him? To, to, no. <laughs> to, to say oh, the, the most. I mean, this at? is, he's talking about making you bleed. He's talking about, you know, I want you black and blue, which is basically then them, fi- them uh, the, the protesters facing off with the riot gear. Now, to get into this, situationalism, which is what they were talking about, is, is what this was based on. It's a branch of psychology based on the belief that a person's behavior is largely determined by their environment or context. So let me ask you a question. Do you think this is true? Did you find that your early life environment made you who you are today? Of is that it what did. makes of course you it did, yeah. so where so where do you think like a lot of the how did that you know, where you grew up affect how you think and how you are no, now? No, I don't think it I don't think Like, the location being
2: Australia did much, but I think definitely your childhood and how you were parented and what have you affects you. I'm a believer that you're 70% what you are the second you come out of the womb and that's just who you are. And I believe that 30% is crucial. And you you can decide whether that 70% is going to be an angry 70% or Mm -hmm. a happy 70%. Okay. But you can't teach people... You can't teach the motivation as such, you know, like people who are super, super competitive, like Kobe Bryant or something like that, who they're just all the time. I don't have that in me, this super competitive, but that's a gene that's born into you. You can't, you can't, you can't produce that. Um, Jealousy is something that you are either a super jealous person or you're not. And you can try to deal with that through life. But anger is something that's definitely put into you. You know, what I mean, whether you're angry all the time, or you know, and then, or whether you're supremely happy constantly. So, how do you feel that your childhood has gotten you to where you are now? That um, I think I definitely had a chip on my shoulder growing up, and I still have that chip on my shoulder now. I, I think sadly, a lot of any success that I've had or anything that I've achieved has, I, I have a big, well, you can fuck you, Gene. I have a big proving people wrong, Gene. You know yeah. what I mean. And I think that's not inherently in people.
1: That's the, I have the same thing. I do yeah. that because of my dad. Yeah. I do the same thing where it's like I just wanted to prove to him that everything I yeah, said as I a the kid. Same, I the
2: same thing with my mother. I, I, I just – that I'm not an idiot and I can – you know.
1: Oh, my God. No wonder we're fucking friends.
2: Yeah, yeah. But but, but that's that, that, that whole thing that you have to – and then And then you realize later on in life that the only person that truly cares about most of it is you. Yeah. When, when, when you, you, you do something Or you, you you have a success in your life And you're like There, see, see Most people are pretty happy for you Or most people don't care No, I know? believe
1: I believe the and, same and, thing and,
2: and you think that these people Who are sitting at home are angry And then you're like well, I proved it wrong to them And there are those people Of course there are those people But they don't matter
1: all right, moving on. Elizabeth, my dear, basically a ripoff of Scarborough Fair. Just play the beginning, Peter. Yeah, but this is just connection of tissue now. Yeah, of course. But it's, it's, you know, they're basically just saying fuck the royalty. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it was, you know, I, I just, it's, I've heard it before. Kind of heard it before. Song for my sugar-spun sister. Now, this song is about loving someone to death and they aren't reciprocating. Now, it's funny because if you listen to the song, it could be a hooker because the lyrics, it says, I got her for 15 or more. So he's saying he might have this this prostitute mm. for 15. and for 15, so
2: 15 minutes or $15? 50,
1: it could be either or. Yeah. could be either or. He doesn't know. That's what I'm saying. Ian left it to our imagination. Right, right, right. Uh, And he says that this is, if you, he has the most impossible shit. He has to do the most impossible shit to make this girl happy. Now, play the chorus at 56 seconds into the song, Peter. Don't fuck this up, buddy. Until the sky turns green green, and the grass is several shades of blue. Until the sky turns green. Every member of parliament trips on glue. It takes all these things and all that time to my sugar-spun sisters happy with this love of mine. Uh, What's the most ridiculous shit you've ever done to impress somebody, girl or person you're just trying to hang out with? The most
2: ridiculous thing I've ever done to impress a girl. Probably high school going. the, the The reason I'm here doing any of it is I went into school musicals to try to meet girls.
1: So you were doing what? At
2: school, when you're 14, 15, and you're not good at sport, you're not terribly good-looking, and how do you meet girls? Where do you meet them? There's no bars. There's no anything. You just meet the girls at school, and they're sitting with a group who's cooler than you. Sure. How do you separate them from the pack and have a bit of a time where you can shine? Yeah. And uh, what was the one activity in school where 80% of the people who joined up were women?
0: (laughs)
1: Oh, it's theater, dude. It's theater, always theater, theater. Arsenic and old lace, this dude. Is, I, this is
2: this, so I did school I, musicals for that exact reason. And also because you could fucking, you could acting kiss people. Yes,
1: but but also <laughs> they're the horniest out of everybody oh, because we're so connected through the, the shitty acting that we're doing. Yeah, and then all, <laughs> all of a sudden fucking,
2: you're a guy with some fucking emotions or some shit. Yeah, dude. But, but I, that's my theory on why actors are short. Because they're all good looking, but they're all short. Sure. They're not Inherently... Actors, yeah, Tom aren't like short. Tom Cruise is like three yeah, inches tall. You don't need to be short to be a good actor. Comics aren't short. Like we are not John Cleese and all these but Will Farrell is a big man. Those are, yeah. yeah, those are. you want to know why? Because we have a skill that can be impressive. Sure. To no, I get it. Actors are short because if you're short, you can't be great at sport. You can be, but that's an exception to the rule, mm-hmm. right? You, you're probably not great at sport. You're probably not meeting women because women want to date taller guys. Yeah. Right. Uh, you better be able to do a fucking Shakespearean sonnet real fucking good, <laughs> right, in a class. And that's why they do it in school. It's the same reason that, that all Formula One drivers are, are little fellas, yeah. right? It's not because these cars, they need to lose 20 pounds for the car to be able to drive. You do a little bit faster. That's yeah. a load it's like of bullshit. shaving off all no, your hair to no, Because what happened was, uh, when they were all racing go-karts when they were kids, yeah. the weight did matter. And so the bigger kids gave up. Right, because I can do other fucking things. And the little guys were like, this is what I'm excelling at. So they stuck with it. Right, and then they became professional drivers. And so if you picked up your first bit of pussy when you were 15, reading a fucking Shakespearean play or some shit. All of a sudden, you're Richard Dreyfus, right? <laughs> you're fucking Richard fucking yeah, Dreyfuss. Yeah, but Richard
1: Dreyfus in the 70s is sexy as fuck, bro. How else Don't meeting? shit on RD. How,
2: how else are you meeting girls if not to do it this
1: way? Well, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'll, I'll back you up on, on your claim because when I was in high Tom school. Tom Brady
2: doesn't need to learn how to act. I know. Michael Jordan didn't need to learn how to act. I know. He never got the bug. <laughs> he never got the bug, right? The bug is I want to meet girls. But That's yeah. the fucking bug. Right. You never meet someone like, I'm extremely good at basketball, extremely good, but this other bug has gotten me so much yeah. that I have to give up basketball because I found a calling. Yeah. No, that's a lot of rubbish.
1: I believe it. I believe you're right. I mean, I'm. I'm going to back up your claim. The earliest way I used to get girls to let me touch their boobs was to pick up my guitar and play Stone Temple Pilot songs. So I'd be like, "Come over after school. We'll smoke. Uh, we'll smoke this little, little sprinkle of weed that I've saved." And then you know, time to go well, well, I, I never,
2: I never thought the comedy thing. So I went and studied musical theater at university, and they could put me as the romantic lead in, in a part, right? Uh huh. I would be the fucking meant to be the Devonir fucking dashing guy. Okay, and I was still, if I was if I was delivering a a, a, a a fucking romantic scene, people were still laughing, and so I was like, "All right, I'm just funny. I, I can't fight. I couldn't fight it anymore. Yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll just do funny roles from here on in. I didn't yeah, even I want it. it. I, I gave up being a leading man in any way.
1: Yeah, no, I get it, dude.
2: And then the good thing about comedy is, like, good looking people can be romantic leads. And funny people can still be romantic comedy leads. Comedy can still be romantic. Like, they talk about, like, Ricky Gervais being a romantic lead now in movies. Yeah. And you're like, really? That's sort
1: of- well, it's, he's, but, but, you know, a lot of women say they're into funny guys. That's, yes, exactly. That's what they are. Exactly. But, exactly. I mean. That's,
2: but would we do anything without girls? Would we do anything? Would we try to, if it was just a world of men, and we're all heterosexual men. Yeah. Would anyone try to achieve anything? If we didn't have women to, we'd kind have of just... buildings just falling down, and we'd all be rolling in our own shit. And <laughs> that no one would be having any careers, just farting all over the place. Who are, we, who are we trying to impress? It's like, it's like, yeah. it's like now that I have money, people go, "Oh, the only reason that women like you is because of your money." And I go, "That's the only reason I made it. <laughs> the only reason I fucking made it. I, I was happy in a one bedroom apartment. I was fine. Yeah. I walk through my house now. I don't use half the space." Uh, no. <laughs>
1: I mean, there's still this passion to want to go out and perform. No,
2: no, there's none of that. There's none
1: of that. You don't have. Come on. So you're just like you're just like. All right. Like
2: Kavanaugh, the only reason he wants to be on the Supreme Court
1: just a fuck is just to impress mo- yeah. women. Yeah, 100%. and it's
2: backfired on him horribly,
1: horribly, horribly. <laughs> All right, moving on. Made of Stone, which was my first. Uh, so let me tell you. So when I first got into this record, I was going through this whole British, uh, like, like fuck. It was everything I was talking about. Gomez and Travis and 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 fucking, Travis. I, I love Travis, dude. You like I loved. Travis. I, loved oh, I was living in the height of Travis.
2: Travis. Everything in the every Travis lyric, and I like Travis.
1: Every day I wake up. Alone because... Everything's
2: like, and so we sing,
0: sing, yes. sing, 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 sing.
2: All I want to do is rock. And sing. He just says the same word. <laughs> yeah. And so if you turn, turn, turn. Yeah. Oh, God, turn turn, yeah. turn, turn, <laughs> turn, 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 turn. Oh, I'm like drifting, s-
0: drifting, 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 drifting,
2: thing, drifting over oh, water. water, have it drift, I'm drifting, yeah. I'm gonna uh- drift some more, I'm still drifting, now I might sing, 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 sing. All I
0: wanna sing, do sing.
1: is rock. That's all I want to do is rock. Yeah, his lyric sheets must just read like shit. But Made of Stone. So I I got this record because we're going to talk about this later, about all these people think that this is one of the greatest British rock albums of all time. And so I was like, well, I got to get it because I believe anything that NME or any of these music uh, magazines come out with that have British in the title. And I was like... I got the record and I didn't like it at all The only song that stuck out to me Was Made of Stone And I feel like this is probably The most poppiest one And then then you Surprise a little bit
0: Sometimes I lonely
1: and the cops below burn below me don't these times it's just it this is shit. poppy, yeah it is poppy and then and then I want you to get to we're gonna go to minute 236 so we can hear this this is my favorite part of the song here's the guitar solo <laughs> This is what's yeah, funny. Is a good song. This is fucking that's yeah. the most poppiest song on the record. Uh and then you find out that Made of Stone is actually pretty sad because they're obsessed. Uh you were saying that uh that Squire is obsessed with Jackson Pollock and he's obsessed with his death. This song is about the car crash and uh of Jackson Pollock. So now, if you listen to those lyrics, it's about death. So it's about death and the loneliness surrounding it. And then I gotta ask this question, like, you know. How does that make you feel? Like, what do you think happens to us after we die? Well, Are no, you afraid nothing, of nothing? Death? Happens? No, nothing happens
2: when you die. You just die. Don't
1: you want to believe that there's
2: another life? No, it, it terrifies me if there was. Not like, heaven.
1: That you start over. No. What
2: do you want? To, what do you want to start over for? What do you need to keep living forever for?
1: You don't want to come back as like a rabbit.
2: No. No. And, and if I do come back, I don't. I don't want to remember it, and if I've just come back now, I didn't remember it. So what's the point of it to begin with? What's the point of having these other lives if you don't fucking remember them? But I think that they've—it's it's like a, you're saying we'd be recycled, like they've, they've no, 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 up. No, 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 no. So you leave so as you, a bottle, you come back as a plastic plate.
1: So, so, <laughs> kind of, but not really. So I, I'm going by the Buddhist view. So it's saying that. That, you know, So whatever you did in the life prior to this, mm. this is what is dictating the life that you're in now. Sure. So the mistakes that you made. Well, you so don't remember
2: I don't remember. It. Why am I paying for the shitty things I did in the life that I don't remember? How are
1: you paying? You're doing, you're, you were sitting in a beautiful, life. you got nine Coke bottles unopened over there. Yeah. Most people only have one. Yeah, that's true. You've got Nine. You did something good in your previous life.
2: So, uh, so all these people are having shitty lives. I should spit on them for the <laughs> shitty things they did yeah. in their previous life.
1: That's true. Yeah. 100%. Remember, I don't know.
2: And isn't this perpetual? That if you have a bad life and then you get given another bad life then another bad life, that each life, like, like a shitty Russian doll of bad lives, keeps going. How do you turn it around into because, a
1: good life? But then eventually you're going to figure it out. That's what I'm saying. Is that eventually you'll reach that level of enlightenment and then that'll be it. And then you just go... And then you're just fucking when you're, does you're it in end, a John Josh? Squire. When song, does it bro. end? When <laughs> it doesn't, does it dude. end? It doesn't, trust me. I want it to every day, but it doesn't. All right, moving on. Now we're getting to my favorite fucking song on this goddamn record. Really? Shoots you down. How do you not think that's the best song on the record? Because here's why. Alright, this was my favorite. Just play it from the beginning for a little bit, Peter. Just get that little That it's is massage bait. music, man. No, massage music. Yeah, yeah. I love how you said it, though. It's massage. You fucking class that shit up. This song is literally. It's about the tale of a man who has grown tired of a relationship. He he sees the demise of it. He's bitter, uh, and he's just he just wish he would have turned this girl down at the beginning. So if you listen to these lyrics, you know it. You show it. And the time has come to shoot you down. So that's
2: what I've always said about there's no time machines because there's been several relationships in my life that if there was a time machine, old Jim would have jumped over the fence. There's so old many. Jim never comes back. No. Future Jim's never come back. Nope. Unless we're in the timeline where the time machine's about to be built. But I don't believe we can never do time travel. We can't do time travel. Yeah. But
1: all you can do is learn. From those mistakes, and mm. so that's what that's and then what have another Ian
2: life is... as a snail, but that's what that treats other snails better <laughs> yeah. than all the other snails.
1: <laughs> so, this, so now your this, but no, your snail last life was good. So what? Because he broke how up with the girl. Can, how
2: much can a snail fuck
1: up? This is you? why. This is why this song is so fucking dope. Because this is the biggest fuck you to a girl. The way he's saying, he's like, "I'd love to do it," and you know, you always had it coming, and then. This is it. It's just the most smoothest, most laid-back way to say fuck you with the drums, the guitar. The best part, go to a minute 37, Peter. I never wanted the
0: love that you showed me. It's starting to choke me. And how I wish I'd said no too slow. I couldn't take that.
1: This is the fucking shit, dude. Like, he's literally like, I never never wanted the love that that you showed me. me." It started to choke me. And how I wish I'd said no, too slow. I couldn't take that. I mean, he's like, I want you to know. Like, I fucking do not want to be with you. Okay. That's why I love this song, because it's so beautiful and such a fucked up thing to say to somebody. So now i got to ask you this question. Mm. Can you describe a moment where you let a relationship either with a friend or a lover drag on longer than you wanted and deep down you knew the whole time it was Uh, a bad decision?
2: All of them drag on longer than they should have. There's very few that you go in a relationship where you go, oh, I ended that one a bit quick. Sure. Uh, Maybe you do do that. Um, Well, yes, there has been relationships in my life that I let people mistreat me too long and the problem is what happens with that is uh, and i found this in a, a relationship fairly recently but but then i become a bit of a bastard at the end and so so someone's mistreating you and they're not doing great and then you act like a bastard and then the memory is you being a bastard sure you know what i mean so it's like then you become no better than them and then everybody, their friends think you're an arsehole. Your friends think they're an arsehole. And then it's just a fucking mess. So, sure. so I would never want to name anybody in particular. But but it, it, it is a it is a weird thing in life where, where it's like no one comes out of war with no injuries. Yeah. Wow. I mean? That's the, the, a great way to say it. Yeah. I hate
1: that we have to put relationships and call it a war. But yeah. in a sense, towards the end, it's just the most.
2: And at you... the end, you go, well, our, our two countries have found peace. We can show up at a party and not punch <laughs> each other. But there's,
1: there's but there, a cold.
2: But, but all the fucking lives that were lost
1: <laughs> along the way. So, well, you know one of my exes, and it's like, I remember at the time that we ended it, uh, this is a years ago relationship. I mean, it Ooh. was the most horrible ending, and then it's just time passes, and then you could see. But, but the thing is, even though sh- she ended it in such a bad way, We were done a year prior. I was just with her because we had a place together and things going on. Dogs and fucking. But it's like I knew it. But uh, I just think that is the, that's a, such an interesting way, out of all the songs on the record that are so right. upbeat and danceable, to play this song in such a calm way. I find it just to be the the juxtaposition of, of harsh lyrics to the to the fucking shitty things to the to the smooth guitar. It's just fucking brilliant And that's why This one is my favorite song On the album now You made me You've you've won me over With that song A bit more than normal It's dude Listen to Dude listen to it Uh, Fucking Just next time When you're driving home From the office today Or next time you're In a bad mood Or no fuck that dude Put that on that fucking dope-ass record player you got, man, and fucking <laughs> just smoke a J and just lay back and just have Forrest grease up his body and dance <laughs> with J.J. So <Sure>, Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday.
0: Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip podcast. Every week I have in-depth conversations
1: with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip podcast. Alright, then we could go into this is the one, um this is a great song. I actually this is the one that I keep texting you about. It's basically a song about delivering on your promises. I I fucking I really like this one, but I want to get to this one. I am the resurrection, which is the most anti religious song. It really is for such a for such it, a fun it ta- record. It takes
2: forever to get into it. It does take forever chorus, to get into it. The chorus is so good. That it's like the payoff is so good. It's it, the song's like fucking for a long time, when your orgasm's better.
1: I am the resurrection, and, and I, am, I the am the light. light. I couldn't ever bring myself to hate you as I'd like, which is uh, actually taken from the Bible. That is something that uh, Jesus said to Judas. You didn't the, know that. The, I always thought it was just an inspired lyric. No, dude. Turns they wrote good lyrics so go.
2: 2,000 years ago.
1: Down, down, you bring me down. I hear you knocking at my door, and I can't, can't sleep, sleep at, night. at night. And then this one is your face. Ha- it has no, no place, place, no room for you inside my house. I need to be alone. That's about him having a crucifix in this house. And he's like, I don't want you looking over my family. Mm. And, and it's just stone me. Why can't you see you're a no one nowhere washed up baby who'd look better dead. I mean, it's fucking deep. So then I got to ask this question because Ian actually had those beliefs and you are an outspoken, well, outspoken. I don't know if I'd say that's right, but you You, are an atheist, right? you
2: an outspoken atheist. You can, you're either an atheist or you're not, as soon as you voice that opinion, you're allegedly outspoken. Um, (laughs) You know I, mean? I, I
1: spoke it for you yeah, but yeah. So how does Because I have this weird thing Where I, I at least have to believe That there's something going on In the universe There has to be Some form of energy That controls right, well, everything I, and I, I believe I, that I, I
2: can, I, I, Look if people want to believe that That's fine I don't But I, I, I don't I don't see how anyone can believe That if there is a god And like We have to acknowledge now That there's other life In the universe There's just There's, there's millions of planets That can Could produce life are right distance from fucking stars from suns that could produce life and and the idea that that there's all these other planets and if you believe in a god that they must he must or she must have produced all these other things and then you have the audacity to think that after someone created you then they're also looking over you and they're listening to you all day i made a bit of lego the other day don't know where the fuck it is in the house i made it now i've stopped thinking about it. what lego like legos yeah yeah legos right but you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. There's things you've made. You've made a little bit of pottery when you're a fucking kid. You produced it. You made it. But you don't check on it every fucking day to see if it's doing well. you know. So the idea... If you want to believe that there's something created, you fine. I don't. But then, then how can you have the audacity that this divine creator mm-hmm. is now checking on you? And listen to your fucking thing And then like Not only created you But now from now My parents aren't checking on me Every fucking day Yeah
1: I know It's just so weird It's so weird to know That God would be looking at me When I was at a rave Snorting ketamine Letting a Letting a dude touch my penis For a bump of free K Jesus Christ yeah, yeah. and going God, going just, Josh, God, Josh. Josh, what are you stop doing? It. I'm that's, very that's busy it. right Come now, on, but I have to dude. check on you. All right, is it good K? Yeah, you look like you're Yeah, in a so There's hole.
2: kids dying in Africa, <laughs> but I'm concerned about this as well.
1: So you don't know, so uh, so when when did that start for you? Like when did what, you being start atheist? to Yeah, when did you really miss um, and I, I mean, I know this is a lot. This is a deeper question. I was but,
2: a, I was an agnostic from the time I was about about 14. Okay. And um, then I was probably an atheist from the time I was about nineteen. But you know, there wasn't like a pivotal, like a George Carlin album, and all of a sudden I listened. So it wasn't like something happened, like a traumatic event. No, I just, I just, I just didn't believe it. I just, I just, every time I saw the news and I saw pain and all that type of stuff, and I thought, what am I meant to fucking pray to someone because I want to. There's a little bit of hardship in my life, and there's kids who've got cancer. And then I'm if you pray to the Lord, then maybe you can. Blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah. like I, like, I started just believe that it was mayhem. The world was mayhem, and life was mayhem. Which
1: I believe, yeah. It's 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 yeah. pain. It's, it's yeah, suffering. Yeah. I don't yeah.
2: I don't believe in a master plan where where everything's for a reason. And you know, I I believe that's almost that's almost like um, giving up on. Um, your your responsibility sure. as, as a person i'm a i'm a big believer in the human condition that we're meant to be nice to each other and i i don't believe in karma i think this what goes around comes around theory is completely true because you know what does the beatles say and in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make yes and that's only because people can see when you're spreading love and people will love you for that. And people, if you're happy to people, people will always be happy to you. Now, I'm not saying that I'm any fucking angel That where people are always, you know, I'm always treating people brilliantly and therefore they treat me brilliantly. But I do see in our world, the people who seem to spread love on our planet are the people who seem to receive it as well. You know? I believe that too. But I don't, I don't think that's this um, idea of calm. I don't think it's mystical. I think it's just in anything in life, You get what you give. Whether it be your career, you put more into it, you will have a bigger career, everything will be. If you have a a relationship, partnership in your life and you put a lot into that relationship, that relationship will flourish and be better than other relationships where you just
1: fucking treat each other like shit. I believe everything you're fucking saying, dude. Uh, Right on. That is perfect. That is perfect. All right. You ready to do some facts? hmm Facts, facts, they're me the facts. facts. I have so many facts, I don't
2: know what these facts are for. Don't tell your me facts. facts, they don't mean anything to me. Bring me some lies and then we'll talk and then we'll see.
0: All right, here we go,
1: first fact. You have the information. Facts, 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 facts. facts, facts, facts. All right, little did we know that the Manchester music scene was strong thanks to the Roses as well as the Happy Mondays and James, the Inspiral Carpets, and they were given Our the nickname garbage. Madchester. This was all given the nickname Madchester. Manchester. That was coined by the Happy Mondays, the word Madchester. The scene, and this is this is where I'm going to get to the fact, the scene was spawned a Short sound and fashion known as Baggy. So the music is an, uh, this is a hard word for me to say, amalgamation of the 60s psychedelic funk house and guitar-driven rock while the fashion is inspired by rave, hippie, football, and retro cultures. Rennie sported a bucket hat that becomes so iconic and influential that people named it the Rennie hat. Now, if you look at it then, it was pretty hip, but now, I mean, it still kind of holds up. Let me ask you a question. Do the north of
2: England have a weird thing going on? There's a thing called Northern Soul. Yeah. Which, for a bunch of white people just eating chips and fucking gravy, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and it didn't happen in London, um, during the sort of 70s, when soul music was at its peak, it was massive in America, um, with mostly black people, Mm -hmm. and it was massive in the north of England. Hmm. Didn't reach Australia they call it Northern Salt. And this is a little bit where all this comes from
1: now. Okay.
2: Where it all sort of bleeds
1: in. <clears throat> so, what I wanted to ask you is because these guys were fashion icons and you look at that then and you look at that, what it looks like now. What different scenes have you been influenced by? Now, I'm talking, let's talk about fashion in particular. Like, do you have any of these uh, moments I, that you was, regret? When I
2: was 14. Yeah. I bought a stussy pork pie hat because of big audio dynamite. Wait, which one was that? Sweet Dry a slow time time
0: again? Game, I would do it all the same. same.
2: Situation no now, you gotta remember that's the clash. Fuck yeah, dude. What's his name? Mick Jones Mick Jones from the Clash? Yeah. In oh. all the film clips he wore those. And I was like, all right, well, that's what I'm doing now. I had one that had Stussy written across it. So you used to
1: wear this? And that, yeah, how I was
2: 15, old? maybe 14, 15. Yeah. Did,
1: did you feel confident? I was trying to pull your, it off. You were doing your plays and your musicals, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to get that theater pussy. Yeah, was, your, yeah, walking around with a pork pie hat. A pork pie motherfucking hat. I mean, yeah. I can't hate on this. My God, I had my, like, wigger days. I had my... Heavy metal mullet days that I regret. I had my fucking raver pants days. My, my, the last real. Movement of clothing that I was obsessed with was when I was really into the verve. Yeah, I used to wear turtlenecks all the time because I wanted to dress like Richard Ashcroft. <laughs> all right, here we go. Next fact. A reunion they said would never happen. In 2002, John Squire stated in an interview with The Guardian that he'd rather remove his own liver with a teaspoon mm. when asked about the possibility of a revival tour. And in 2011, Ian Brown told Clash that he'd need to be down to his last chicken dinner. Mm. Well, it happened, and we're guessing that Squire's liver remains secretly intact because they did winner, reunite. win
2: chicken dinner. They did
1: reunite in 2013. So let me ask you a question. Is there anything that you'd never do again that you thought you would never do and then you ended up doing again? Something that I thought I would never go
2: back to—that I, I I maybe swallowed some pride and went back to, maybe or could
1: be swallowing pride mean me. It could be I sort of jump off and
2: it. could be something that because there's things in your life where you go, oh, I I don't want to go back to that bit of my career, and then you sort of miss it. And, you, you, and I'm trying to think of like a, something big because I know there's little tiny things. There's certain like I remember there's comedy clubs throughout my career where I was like fuck that comedy club. I'm not playing there again because maybe. They didn't treat me great when I was an open mic. And then you're like, oh, they were always cunts. And then when you become like a more popular comic, and then you're like, fuck it, I will play that club. You know what I mean? But I'll tell you one thing that you hit like about bitterness. Um, So I have a friend, very good comic, and I won't say who it is. And then when he was young, the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival told him to fuck off, right? And so whenever they had the auditions or people had to go back to it or something like that, he's like, fuck it, I won't even audition for it. And that was that was anger that he was holding on to. Sure. They'd forgotten the incident even happened. Yeah. So it's very often you're fighting with yourself in this world where you're where you're like, Well that person needs to apologize and, and and the argument that you're having is with you and not with them anymore. They've already forgotten it or moved on. Whether oh, it be like, a, yeah, dude. Like, like an ex girlfriend where you're like, No, I am still and then you forget like we all grow up, we all make mistakes and yeah. we all you know what I mean? And so, so unless someone royally fucks you off in this world, it's just not worth worrying about anymore.
1: All right, let's go into the next one. Ian Brown had a cameo role in the 2004 Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as a wizard magically stirring his drink while reading Stephen oh, Hawking. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. He's reading a Stephen Hawking's A Brief History in Time at the Leaky Cauldron. What uh, Do you have any uh, cameos, any little things that people might miss if they didn't know you were in um, it? Um...
2: Uh, there was there was a TV show called The Librarians, which is like uh, it's on TNT and TNT. Fuck yeah, dude! Yeah, and in the Christmas episode, I play I'm I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> I was just brought in because one of the producers was uh, one of the show, not the producers. One of the uh, ADs, the assistant directors, was the uh, assistant director on the Librarians, was on legit yeah. my TV show, and he he said, "Oh, we need like a Santa with a Cockney accent." And I said, "I don't have a Cockney accent," but he goes, "Oh, just come in." It was two lines, and I got asked that. Like that night, and I showed up in the morning, and I was in a Santa outfit. I was just like, "All right." So people came and robbed us, you know what I mean? Because I got a beard on. Like zero people have ever pulled this up,
1: so we can find it. If you you
2: Google right now, Jim Jeffrey Santa Claus, you'll be able to find a picture of it. We'll pull it up. I'm eating like chili. I'm eating (laughs) like a bowl of chili. And I do, like, a terrible accent. My acting's really bad, but I didn't give a fuck. Hit me with the lines
1: real quick. It was like, oh,
2: someone robbed us. Oh, this this chili isn't half good, is it? (laughs) Right? And it was directed by the guy from like Star Trek, the new Steven the next, Spielberg. No, the next generation. Abrams. The guy with the beard in in Star Trek, like the the next generation Star Trek.
1: Which one? Oh, oh yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Fucking was, the dude. He was the director. Right. I remember,
2: like, he didn't know what the point of me was. He was like, "We could have got an actor." And he's like, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "Ah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I got, I've had I an even, HBO special. I got
1: shit going on. <laughs> you know? Like, this wasn't like a comedy thing either." <laughs> All right, moving on. So, uh, little did you know, they vandalized their former record label. All four members were arrested and charged after painting the office walls of FM Revolver, their former label, in retribution for reissuing their 1987 single, Sally Cinnamon Without Permission. All right. Yeah, they did. They tried to make, like, a music video for it and everything. Okay, so now my question is, what's your taste for revenge like? Do you... uh, do you fucking do you just hold it in, or do you do you act on it? Or um, no, I've never been a, a,
2: a very vengeful person. I don't. And who would I want revenge from? And 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 what is what is the the like? How bad revenge do you need on someone? Like like how badly? Like so so a girl, it's normally like someone cheats on you. Yeah. Right. So then what you do? And I've done this throughout my life. You shag one of their friends. Always a shag. Yeah, yeah. There's always there's always that. But you go.
1: Is that really
2: the the best we have to offer?
1: All right. So I get getting on uh, from that. Another fact. Here we go. Pete Townsend mm. of the Who gave mm. them their first gig. The band was playing their first gig on October twenty third, nineteen eighty four, opening for Pete Townsend at an anti heroin event in London. After sending him a note reading, "I'm surrounded by Skagheads, I want to smash them. Can you give us a show?" The Stone Roses impressed onlookers and they soon received record label offers. Is there anybody that specifically maybe gave you that first break? Like what was – you're saying the big break? Yeah,
2: the, the, the first break was the first break of my career. It was a comic called Gary Who, who was a fairly popular comic in Australia. And I was still at university, and I was doing some open mic nights. And he had to do some gold mining tours, and these was crowds of like two hundred people. Uh-huh. And he said, oh, why don't you come out on this trip with me and open up for me?" And at that stage, that that offer was too big to to say sure, no to. I could but I, I remember thinking um, that 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 was the first time I sort of got like sort of the idea of being on the road and doing a gig a night. You know what I mean? And so the, so the last thing... So Gary's a lot older now, and um, he, he mostly acting now in his career. doesn't do as much stand-up, but still is in movies and stuff in Australia. And when I, I just went and did the Sydney Opera House uh, six months ago or something, and I made sure Gary opened for me. You know, oh, that's so, great. So, yeah.
1: That's fantastic. That's fucking great, dude.
2: Yeah, but that was the first time that someone actually sort of stuck their neck out for me. Yeah. But I think it's very important, like someone like Pete Townsend or something... Um, in any business mm-hmm. if, if you if you reach the top you have to push the button to send the elevator back down I agree with that yeah
1: so so then I is because besides... otherwise
2: you look like a cunt the whole thing. Oh, you, for sure. because you know these people get successful and they don't want anyone yeah. else to be successful like they're yeah. saving something yeah and it's like it doesn't cost much just to push that button it, no, it, I comp- it doesn't take a lot of time and you just send it back down and i then,
1: completely agree as you go up you reach down pull people up yeah. all right so it's in 2000 it received the greatest album ever award at the enemy Premier award show and in 2006 the album topped the magazine's 100 greatest british albums mm. ever list
2: and that gets 498 in america
1: what do you really agree with that do you feel that this is the best british record no, of not, all time top
2: five.
1: top five yeah what's beating it well, the Beatles have to have something in there, you know, of course. one of them in it. It'd put Revolver in there somewhere.
2: I'd put Morning Glory above it. or No, no, I'd put Definitely Maybe above it.
1: I, I would think that if you go just with bands that are from Manchester, I don't even think the Stone Roses are are De- the best definitely, band definitely from Manchester. Definitely
2: Maybe is one of the most solid albums you'll ever listen to. Did You're that ta- get in the top 500 list? Which one? Definitely Maybe. Yes.
1: And to- we're going to end on this. Jim, I can't thank you enough. Here's the Where Are They Now from the Stone Roses Written by Big Black and Beautiful producer David Ross. After rattling the UK with their self-titled debut album, the Stone Roses went on to release an album in the 1994 called Second Coming, Mm. which received mixed reviews. After this, the band organically dissolved. First, Rennie departed, then Squire, and soon Ian and Manny decided it was their time to go. Although... Each continued to be prolific artistically. Squire formed the Seahorses. Meanwhile, Brown went on to release volume of albums that continued to break UK's top five charts. The band reunited for a tour in 2012 and played before Coachella Crowd in 2013. They even released original music in 2016 for the first time in 20 years. Did you hear it? I did. I need a single one. Did you like it? I didn't mind it. It's not bad. All right. But they never created anything as timeless as their debut album, which begs the question. Who the fuck cares about some of the mishaps to follow so long as they got it right the first time when it all really mattered? Do you agree with that? I do. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm so happy to have you on here, man. Thank you so much for coming (laughs) in. Thanks for having me, Thank you. This was so much fun. Jim Jeffries, ladies and gentlemen. Told you it was a good episode. Told you, told you, told you. I love that man to death. You love him too. Send him a message on social media and tell him how you enjoyed the episode. You can find Jim Jeffries on all social media at Jim Jeffries. And if you want all things Jim Jeffries tour dates coming up, I know he's got a tour of Asia coming up, go to JimJeffries.com. I'll also be posting his mixtape track listing on all social media and on our website, and that will then be posted on all music platforms, so you can get inside the mind of what Jim loves musically. Email this podcast if you want to tell me how good a job I'm doing, or how shitty of a job I'm doing, or you just want to say what's up, 500 podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on social media, at Myers on all social media. That's spelled M-E-Y-E-R-S. Don't even think about fucking spelling my last name M-Y-E-R-S because I hate you if you do that. It's Josh Adam Myers M-E-Y-E-R-S on all social media. Tomorrow night, it's my birthday, everybody. It's my birthday. November 15th at the Roxy with Bill Burr and Jim Jeffries. Make sure you come, the goddamn Comedy gym. If you haven't bought tickets, it's actually sold out already. So sorry about that. November 18th, me and Ryan Sickler, last week's guest, we talked about B.B. King live at Cook County Jail. Ryan and I will be at The Famous in Baltimore, Maryland, doing a special second night of our our originally just one show on the 17th. We added another date on November 18th uh, because we sold out the first one. It's going to be fantastic. Ryan is headlining. He's got a new CD coming out called Get a Hold of Yourself. Uh, It's an incredible hour special, so it's a big party in Baltimore to celebrate the release of his album. Pre-order it, uh, order it, just get Ryan Sickler's new record. And all tickets uh, to all or any of my shows are going to be at my website, joshadammayers.com, last name spelled M-E-Y-E-R-S. And you can follow every little... Stitch an inch of news that The 500 Podcast has By going to our website The500podcast.com That'll show you all the locations To subscribe on your favorite platform And please Subscribe, rate, and review I love you, I love you, I love you Now We just listened to The Stone Roses from 1989 Now here's an artist That is directly influenced by this album From Melbourne, Australia Sometimes they say Melbourne Melbourne Melbourne, Australia. We have The Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fever. And this is their new song, Talking Straight, off their new release, Hope Downs. I love this song. I love this band. It's super old school. You can definitely hear how the Stone Roses influenced them. And if you are in a band... And were directly influenced by one of these albums Or artists that we're playing I want your music to be featured on the 500 So please send your song To 500podcast At gmail.com Make sure you put the album and the artist That was influenced in the subjects And if we like the song We will play it at the end And hopefully launch your career Into the stratosphere And hopefully one day You'll always look back and say You know The biggest break we ever got was on that podcast that was run by a guy that looked like Billy Bob Thornton during his Gone in 60 Seconds period. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, that's the end of this podcast, guys. Don't forget, next week is the White Stripes 2001 release, White Blood Cells, coming in at number 497. So you guys got some homework to do. Listen to the White Stripes... Share the podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week.
0: Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new
1: episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.
0: Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews band fans, we set out to create a
1: podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB.
0: Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but
1: we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series.
0: Whether you're a fan of the band,
1: or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.
0: Next Chapter Podcasts